0: I think for me it maybe feels less like a like a finding and more an uncovering it's something that's there but it's covered up by maybe insecurity or doubt or fear and this process of finding it is really sacred act of living and being brave enough to maybe become more fully myself and in that process a voice emerges and that's really just Who I am really beneath all of those false narratives that I've believed all my life.
1: Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. On today's episode, I talk to the lovely and talented Emily P. Freeman, Emily is an author, an entrepreneur, and a soulful listener dedicated to helping you make life decisions with hope. Emily is also one of the founders of an organization called Hope Writers, which helps smart, creative writers like you get words out of your head. And into the hands of a reader without feeling lost, discouraged, or overwhelmed. And this is just one of the many reasons I know you're going to love, love, love hearing from Emily today. She's such a wealth of wisdom. She's also the author of five books, including her most recent, which is called The Next Right Thing. And by the way, side note plug for Emily, she has a podcast by the same name. It's called The Next Right Thing which is perfect if you're trying to make a big decision in your life right now or if you're feeling just a little stuck and you're not sure what to do next. Emily's wisdom and grace of delivery is great for anybody who's in that sensitive place of trying to figure out what to do next. So make sure you check that out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can search The Next Right Thing and find Emily's podcast as well. I first met Emily back in the days when blogging was kind of early on and we were both blogging away from across the country, living really different lives. But I started reading what she was writing and I connected with so many of the things she was talking about even from such a great distance and even with a lot of big differences in the lives that we were living. I ended up in North Carolina by a random series of events and so I reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to meet up IRL as they say now before people were saying things like IRL and of course she said yes so we became friends and I really wanted you to hear from her today specifically because Emily is she's so many things but Emily is a wife and a mother of three who still gets an incredible amount of writing done which is a miraculous feat in and of itself. Uh, Like I mentioned before, she's also both an author and an entrepreneur, which is a necessary combination for anyone who is trying to write in the 21st century, but it's also an incredibly challenging balance to strike, and I wanted you to hear her thoughts on this, because I think they're going to be really helpful for you and informative. She's also this great balance of a deeply spiritual and intuitive person while also being incredibly practical and in touch with just how the world works. I think she has this way of getting to the heart of an issue that's really unique and special, and I know you're going to love hearing from her today. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Emily's journey to becoming a writer, so how she went from just blogging and hoping that maybe her sister and her mom would read her blog to actually publishing her first book. We'll also talk about the difference between writing and publishing, so the difference between the craft of writing and the business of publishing a book. We'll talk about what keeps so many writers stuck and how they can get unstuck. We'll talk about where the confidence to write really comes from and how we can get more of it. We'll talk about how to know if you specifically are ready to enter into a publishing process and so much more. Emily is articulate. She's well-spoken. She's wise. She's brilliant. She's incredible. You're going to love her as much as I do, and I can't wait to share this episode with you. So let's get started. Hi, Emily. So great to chat with you today. Hey, Allie. It's so great to be here. Thanks for joining us. I want to start by asking you the question that we ask everyone to jump right into their interview, which is, what does it mean for you to find your voice? Well, it's a great and very fitting question that you ask here at the (laughs) top. And you
0: know, it's funny because I've thought a, a lot about this and I work with writers some and just like creative people. And I'm asked this question and I realize kind of like, I play the piano, but I'm a terrible teacher of piano. I tried to teach my kids how to play piano and I was the literal worst. Like, I'm like, you just play it. I don't know. And so this question feels similar in some ways. Like, what does it mean to find your voice or or how do you find your voice? And I'm like, uh, you know, when you kind of have to break it down. (laughs) But I think succinctly, if I may, (laughs) I think for me, it maybe feels less like a like a finding and more an uncovering, it's something Mm -hmm. that's there, but it's covered up by maybe insecurity or doubt or fear. And this process of finding it is really sacred act of living and being brave enough to maybe become more fully myself. And in that process, a voice emerges. And that's really just, Mm -hmm. I think voice is just really who I am really beneath all of those false narratives that I've believed all my life.
1: That is such a beautiful way to say that. So perfectly you. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, Emily, is because I love the way you, well, you're a writer yourself and then you coach and teach writers. And then a huge part of what you do is, I don't know if you would use this title for yourself, you tell me, but I think of you like a spiritual director. So that the merging of those three things feels like really perfect merging. And it also makes sense that you would explain the concept of finding your voice the way that you just did, which I think is so eloquent and beautiful. Can you talk to me a little bit about the intersection between those three things? How has writing played into your spiritual development and how has spiritual development impacted your writing?
0: Well, thank you for your kind words first of all and i I think that I do maybe have a, a spiritual direction posture in and more and more you know as i as I get older, and really all that all that means is just holding open a prayerful space that exists between me and someone else um, maybe so it's really just the it's just the practice of listening and I think that really to answer your question is the ultimate answer of how does creativity and writing and faith interplay in my own formation and just in my own life. And I think listening is so key to that. And both listening to my inner life and what's happening beneath the surface, but also listening to what's happening in those around me and circumstances, things around me, like the people in my own life, my family, but also in the, in the broader scope of the world. And then uh, I think the the creative part of the writing part comes when I'm trying to make sense of how those things interplay. So how the outside world and the inside world talk to each other, really. Mm. I think it was Madeline L'Engle in her book, Walking on Water, who talked about how she doesn't care what the weather is in Paris, but she deeply cares about what it is in New York City (laughs) because that's where she lived. And, And though that can be a danger because it sounds very egocentric, but that's what we are, right? And so I think that her point, though, was the gift of specificity and that specifically what the weather was, where she was going to be walking that day really mattered to her. And so this practice of writing is... Learning for me, you know, where is God working specifically in my life so that I can show up and be there for people specifically in theirs so that I can more fully step into my voice and who I truly am and show up with what I have to offer.
1: So good. I mean, the practice of writing really is a practice of listening. I don't know if you feel the same, but when I sit down to write, I think, you know, that's part of what makes it so challenging is that you're sitting alone and you're listening to mm-hmm. the environment around you, to the thoughts that are constantly going through our head that we don't always pay attention to, and and listening to our life, you know, like listening to the things yes. that happen that for most of us, if we're not stopping pausing to think about it, those things just sort of pass us by. And, and we don't spend a lot of time reflecting on them and writing really forces us to do that.
0: It really does. And, you know, you saying that reminded me of, um, a time when I was in college, I went to school, um, totally unrelated to the things we're talking about, <laughs> but I went to school to be a sign language interpreter. And so we, you know, I learned, I learned American sign language. We worked with deaf students, but one of the things that we had to practice and I, and it was educational interpreting. So I was, I worked in a classroom for many years, um, interpreting for deaf students who went to school among hearing students. And so one of the, um, Uh, exercises we had to do in class one day in college was we had to be quiet. I think it was for maybe, I mean, she set a timer for like two minutes and we just had a sheet of paper and we had to write down everything we heard. Mm -hmm. And this is a quiet classroom, you know? And so she said, okay, I'm going to start the timer. And I'm thinking like, I'm going to be done in like three seconds. It's a quiet room. (laughs) Guess what? It wasn't. It was not a quiet room. And because you hear so much that when you're, I mean, as a hearing person, I don't realize all the sounds that my brain just kind of tunes out. Yeah. And I wrote the entire time until the timer went off because the air conditioning was buzzing. There were cars outside. Someone dropped their pencil. Someone sneezes. And the, the idea of the practice for us was here's all the things your deaf students are missing in the classroom. And so what our job as interpreters could be is what if we were to interpret some of these sounds as well so that they could get a fuller experience of the wow. classroom. But when I apply that to life in a, in a more broad sense, it, it helps me realize like, wow, there are always things to listen to. Those things don't go away just because we're not paying attention. They're always there. But what a gift, the gift of writing is, I think it, it's like setting that timer and saying, okay, what's everything that you hear, write it down.
1: Okay. So if you started writing as a practice of listening, at what point did that practice evolve for you into something where you felt like maybe I might have some words to share with an audience?
0: Sometimes I still question, do I have words to share? (laughs) Five books later. (laughs) Oh, Oh dear. Well, it's funny. I grew up, I mean, as just a little girl I it was very normal for me to write my way through a day and but it was like you say I mean it was I was writing for myself right I wasn't really yeah. writing with an awareness of someone reading it um, except maybe like being afraid my sister would read it behind my back, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's how a lot of us start out writing is we just were kind of writing for ourselves. And I think it's a beautiful reason to write. I mean, in, in many ways, it's 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 the best reason to write because we we emerge um, before our eyes when we write through our life. But but I think maybe when it turned was upon my discovery of blogging back in 2006. And some of my girlfriends had a blog. And it was then that I, I don't say, I don't think I realized maybe I had something to offer then. But what I did see was that other people had things they were offering me. And that was quite Mm -hmm. a gift because I didn't realize that some of my closest friends, because I mean, that was back when I only read blogs from people I knew in real life and saw like on the weekends, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know you could like read someone who lived across the country. (laughs) But it was then that I started receiving gifts from them through their stories and through their insights and through them sharing themselves with the internet. And that's when I started writing, uh, you know, myself and thinking, you know, maybe this is Just experiencing life with them in this way. And writing was the vehicle to do that. So it was years later before I even considered, you know, an audience or a reader, I should say, beyond people, you know, my mom and my sister or whoever. Right. right. If they even read then, I don't know.
1: (laughs) This is fine. This memory is just coming to me right now, Emily, but this is how I was originally introduced to you. Maybe it was probably close to 10 years ago, maybe not quite 10, but your blog chatting. Wasn't it wasn't originally called chatting at the sky. Yes, it was. Thank you for bringing I, yes. that up. <laughs> oh, sorry. If it's a source of no, no. no, I mean, that was how I was introduced yeah. to you. And again, that was like, you're mentioning, it was kind of the glory days of blogging yeah. and it was a, a different world back then. I don't think the internet had quite sped up in the way that it has now, or maybe that's just my perception of it, but there was this sense, I remember it of there being a conversation between a writer and a reader and that was really compelling for me and your your writing was I just remember stumbling across it for the first time and feeling really struck by the honesty and depth and just the presentness of what you were saying and feeling like you know it was in a period of time in my life where for the very first time, I was also blogging but I was realizing there can be this human being who I've never met. I still remember the first time we met in person but it was months or maybe you know over a year after I had started reading your blog. Yeah. But there can be this person who I've never met who I you know I don't even necessarily have all that much in common with. You live in a different part of the country than me. Um we have completely different lives. You you had you were married with kids at the time and I was single. But that there's this connection point from a distance. And I think that's another really powerful thing that writing does for us.
0: I think it is too. And you mentioned the thinking, feeling like the internet has sped up and it it did feel more like a conversation. And I do think the conversation is still happening, but it now it's not. Back then it happened in longer form. And we slowed down yeah. a little bit with it and kind of sat in the conversation. Cause there wasn't social media really like there is now. Yeah. And now there's still a conversation, but it just goes really fast, and so it's really hard fast. to kind of get in there, like you said, and really kind of get to know someone in that in the way that you mm-hmm. can online and I, I do think that was the gift that we had you know starting way
1: back then. yeah, okay, so then tell me about how your blog evolved into evolved into your first book, which was Grace for the Good girl right is that was that your that was first? my that was my first book yep, okay. So how did that process happen? Like, how did you get your first book contract? When did you decide, okay, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to write a book. It's a great question. It was way later than you'd think <laughs> in the whole
0: process. But <laughs> I, so I've been blogging, like I sh- it should have, uh, anyway, I had been blogging for maybe two or three years and starting to realize like, oh, I'm starting to read blogs from, from women who are, you know, teaching me something or sharing something and, I'm growing from learning or, or in my own spiritual formation, I'm being formed by things that I'm learning here. And, and I also started to explore like there are things like that, that I, am discovering that I enjoy writing about that aren't necessarily like I'm an expert and let me teach you all my wise ways, but more just right. here's a story. And, and, you know, can you relate type of things, but more than even thinking about like, Oh, I want to write a book. I, I remember wanting to be a better writer and also just wanting to learn about writing. And I, ended up going to a writing conference. It was just very random. Like I found it. A girl I read whose blog I read, she talked about on hers. And so I ended up, it was close by my house. And so I went, I knew zero humans there, but (laughs) I went and I got to know a few humans while I was there. But I think what I took away from that writing conference was just that a couple of things. One was that I wasn't as far behind as I thought I was that a lot of the people there at the same conference had the same questions I did. And I think I have a tendency to think that like everyone knows everything and I know nothing. And so (laughs) I shouldn't even try, but showing up at that conference, though, that was a scary thing to do. That was a really needed action and practice for me to like do the scary thing, because in that I realized like, oh, this isn't as scary as I thought. And that's one thing. Another thing I took away from it was I, I met some other writers and that was really valuable for me. And so- it was in that year after that conference that I started kind of, I was actually, I was doing something at my church for girls in our youth group. And it was like a kind of, not a class, but like a kind of a small group curriculum I was developing for them. And when I shared that with a a friend of mine who was already a published author, she was like, you know, you should, you should make that into a book and bring it to the writing conference next year and pitch it to an editor. And I was like, what? It was, you know, that moment of like that easy yeah. for you to say, right? Easy for you to say, but this was something I was already working on. I think that's the key. Looking back, is, you know, people say, you know, I want to write a book, or I, you know, and I, and I think should everyone write? Absolutely, I think everybody should write. Should mm. everyone publish? Not necessarily. You know, I don't know that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that publishing is for all of us. Sometimes I question if I want to publish. You know, and that's kind of my job. Yeah. But, but so I do think that you know we do each other and ourselves a disservice when we put writing and publishing in the same bucket. They're very different. One is art and one is business. So at the time though, you know, all I hear is the art side, like, you know, and that's where the fear comes in is you should write a book. And I'm like, Oh no, that's a woe is me. That's too scary. But I ended up, writing the book proposal. And I worked on it. I remember working on it at Panera, this one chair at at Panera Bread Company, the restaurant. And (laughs) I sat in this one corner chair and I would always see people I knew. They would come in and be like, what are you working on? I see you in here all the time. And I would never say I was working on a book proposal. I would call it a project. Ah. I'm like oh, it's just a writing project, or it's a project, and because it felt so presumptuous at that time to say, "Well, I'm working on a book proposal," because yeah. like, that <laughs> that implies that I thought I could write a book, right? Yeah, And, um, yeah. and I think that's also a common thing, like, uh, you know, who am I to think I can do this thing? But anyway, that's how that first book started. Was it was it was an experience that I was kind of engaging in at my own church, and then someone encouraged me, and you know, what a beautiful thing, right? That someone yeah. else had courage on my behalf to say, yeah, you should really bring this and do it. But then I had to do it, right? I mean, I couldn't just kind of hold on to her coattails and say, continue to have courage for me. I had to take that courage that she first inspired in me and then make it my own and show up even though it was scary. And that's kind of how it all started.
1: And even the action of actually attending that writing workshop, you know, one of the things I think that's hard with writing is it's such a private thing Yes. and it's a thing you do all by yourself that there's nobody really holding you accountable. So, you know, yeah, the joke about writers getting started is always like you have to check Instagram 14 times and go like, <laughs> you know, I always have to like clean out my refrigerator before I start writing, uh, yeah. but there's nobody there sitting next to you who's forcing you to stay seated in the chair. So... So you, it really is, you have to be self-motivated and you have to you know, find ways to take action on your own. And I think throwing yourself into a writing conference is a really great way to take an action that's going to force you out of your comfort zone and connect you with other writers and get you moving on this path of becoming more serious about your writing in a profession or even just a practice that doesn't have a lot of action around it. It's a it's a lot of sitting around. <laughs> it, it is a lot of sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to jump in here for a quick second to talk a little bit more about what Emily is saying about the difference between writing and publishing because One question I think might be popping up for you, especially those of you who have considered the idea of writing a book, you might be wondering to yourself, am I really in the right place to think about publishing? This is a great question to be asking yourself, and you'd be shocked at how many people are asking themselves this question, even people who are closer to the publishing line than you think. I want to point out one thing that I think is really important, which is that there is really more than one way to think about publishing. Publishing can mean many things to many different people, and I want you to think about publishing less like writing all the way over in one camp and publishing all the way over in this other camp, and rather think of this like it's happening on a continuum. So on the left side of the continuum, you have the private thoughts that you put in your journal every day that are just helping you process your life as it happens to you and maybe helping you figure out what you think about a thing or how you feel about a thing. And then as you move further along the continuum, you might have pieces of that writing that you choose to share with certain people for a specific purpose. Like one really private way to share would be to share with a therapist or share with a best friend or share with a family member. One even more vulnerable way to share, that that's vulnerable too, But um, maybe a step further would be that you take those words and you share them with someone who you know is going to have a hard time receiving them. But you do that with the hope that your conversation with them or the sharing of your writing is going to help them understand you or where you're coming from or that it's maybe going to improve your relationship. And then a step even further than that is maybe you share those words with a group of people or even a group of strangers. So you see how already we haven't even gotten to the publishing part of the conversation and there's already this stair step process toward publishing that starts with simply sharing our work with other people. And then of course you have this moment where you decide to launch into the endeavor of actually executing on a manuscript and printing that document and turning it into what looks like a book then maybe sharing that with your family members and friends or even distributing it on um, a wider basis than that. So again, I want you to think about that path of publishing happening on this continuum. And maybe I've confused you even more and you're still like, okay, I don't know still if I'm in the right place to start to think about publishing. Our program Prepare to Publish actually answers this question for authors this is one of the reasons why i started the program because i remember so vividly being a brand new author and knowing that i had an idea that was nagging at me but not really knowing what to do with it so i knew i needed to get it down because i couldn't not it was waking me up in the middle of the night and getting me out of bed in the morning. And it was the thing I would think about when I was supposed to be thinking about other things, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do as it related to publishing. I didn't know anything about the industry of publishing. I didn't know any agents, I didn't know any publishers. So I was feeling really stuck on that front. And in addition to that, Emily mentioned the difference between the craft of writing and then the business of publishing and this was another place where i felt myself getting stuck because even though i knew i had this idea i wasn't sure how to structure it i didn't know where to start i didn't know what was going to be interesting to a reader i didn't know what to include and what to leave out and i really created this program prepare to publish because i wanted to help authors who were struggling with this same thing i wanted to help them with both the craft and the business of publishing And I think what happens with a lot of these programs is they focus on one or the other and it's hard to find a place where you can ask questions about both. So this is really what I wanted to do with Prepare to Publish and I think Prepare to Publish does an excellent job of answering all of these questions as you're walking that continuum. So if you're anywhere on that continuum and you're wondering what's next for me in my quote publishing process, if you're moving in the direction of thinking you wanna begin to share your work more widely than just with your therapist, then Prepare to Publish can be a great opportunity for you to do that, for you to get some of the questions answered, for you to get really specific, individualized, one-on-one feedback on your work, and for you to take the next right steps in your particular journey I'll say one last thing, and then I'll let you get back to the episode. If you're still really uncertain about whether or not you're ready to walk this path toward publishing, we do have a digital product available for you. We actually created it specifically for you, and it's called a Book Idea Primer. And the point of the Book Idea Primer is to walk you through a couple of simple exercises that you can complete in about 45 minutes each. There's five exercises in the workbook, and these exercises are designed to help you figure out if you really have a book idea worth pursuing. So if that is a question that you're asking yourself, this is a great resource for you. However, I will say that right now for a very limited time, we are offering the book idea primer as well as the prepare to publish registration when you sign up for prepare to publish right now. So when you participate in our early bird bonus package. You get not only the discounted rate for prepare to publish, which is $250 off of the usual price. You also get the book idea primer, which is worth $299. And then you also get our extra bonus one-on-one coaching call to kick off your process. And that's available to schedule right away. So this is a really incredible bonus package. If you're teetering on the fence at all, I would recommend you go ahead and register for Prepare to Publish and you'll get the free book idea primer delivered to you right away. You'll get this free bonus coaching call with our creative director Annie available to schedule right away and you'll start to get these questions answered as quickly as possible. So if you're considering joining us for Prepare to Publish, now is an amazing time to do that. You can learn more about the course and you can also Join us at findyourvoice.com slash publish. Okay, let's jump right back in with Emily. I would love to hear how the process of writing has evolved for you over the course of the five books that you've written. And are you working on a new book right now? I am not
0: working on a new book right now. Praise the actual Lord, I'm not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have The Next Right Thing, which just came out this year. Yes, it did. I'm always writing, but... That was your fifth. Is that right? Yep, you have that right. That was my fifth book. How did the process of writing evolve for you from book one to book five?
0: It's a great question. And, you know, it has evolved. The process of writing has evolved a lot, I'd like to think. I think the first book I... You know, I thought it was going to be the only book I ever wrote, so I thought I had to put everything I knew in it, (laughs) Um, and I don't know if that's a common thing with a first-time author, but it was definitely for me. Also, the process of writing that first book was really enjoyable, and I, I was not yet an author with a business. Because I, hmm. every author really is a small business owner, no matter what your genre is. I wasn't running a business yet, so hmm. I had all the time to write the book that I wanted to write. And so I remember when I turned it in, my editor was like, um we don't really have very many edits. And like all the things that I had heard about, (laughs) about like the nightmare of getting your edits back, they weren't true for me for the first book. Now, speaking of how things have evolved, that has changed. (laughs) I'd like to think I've become a better writer, but I've definitely become a busier writer. And so my first drafts now, but now I also know first draft doesn't have to be like publishable, you know, you're going to get a feedback on this. And so I do think I was kind of perfectionistic that first time around, but But I put, I mean, I think just speaking of the craft, I said way too much in my first book. I maybe was like I said, I thought it would be my only book ever, my only shot ever. And so I just kind of packed it in and crammed it in. But also, you know, after writing that first book, I think one thing I learned about the creative process is... There were many things that I was afraid to write because, oh, no, what if I disagree with myself later and hear it? It's one thing to do that on a blog. It's another thing to do it Mm -hmm. in a published book that's going to – you can't, like, go into everybody's houses and take it back. It's it's out (laughs) there, right? And that was scary. But I think what I've learned doing this over 10 years now is what a beautiful thing that – I hope that what I wrote 10 years ago is a little different now because that means I'm growing and I'm becoming and we're all in process. And so though I don't want like glaring, like hugely discrepant things, you know, to be different in my life as a human, I'm not as afraid as I was before Mm. of saying something wrong or of misrepresenting myself because I have this deep need and longing to be understood by everyone. And as a writer, that can really get you into trouble because then you write afraid and your reader can smell it a mile away and you over explain and your posture is one of like timidity and nobody nobody enjoys reading that I don't enjoy reading that kind of work Mm -hmm. so so I think I have learned to just kind of say the thing and let it be there rather than having to explain the thing I think that's another way it's evolved but I think too I'm learning this and this is something I'm still in process with but learning to be a writer who because in some ways Allie like I'm there's parts of me that's also a teacher and so that's a tension that I Really walk because I do have a posture of a teacher. I even have a teaching job, but I also am, you know, have this sort of creative artistic side. And so I never, sometimes I don't know how to make them play well together because, on the one hand, I like things to be very kind of open ended and mysterious. And the other hand, I'm like, oh, but let me tell you the three steps to this because there are three steps, you know? <laughs> and so I'm constantly
1: figuring that out. And it's not always fun. I totally get that. <laughs> So, one of the things you said that stood out to me, because this is how writing has changed for me too, is it's a very different thing to develop a practice of writing from my life experience. It was like I started when I was a single woman, you know, working full time, but I had a lot of. Like not just spare time, it's like spare headspace yes. to think. Mm-hmm. And I would like go on runs in the morning, and I would think while I was on a run, and then I would come home and I would write something down, and then I would kind of like fiddle with it later in the evening. And you know, my <laughs> life has evolved, and I know yours has too, to the point where you were both running businesses, and you've got a busy family, and you know, and being married and you just have less white space in your life. And yes, and I I would be curious to hear if you have advice or thoughts about how someone in that position can still prioritize that sacred time of listening when and especially for someone who hasn't ever done it and really experienced the benefits of it. Yeah. But who feels pulled to write and just thinks like, I have young kids at home. They're waking me up at five in the morning. Like, when would I ever find time to myself to write yes I can't even find time to myself to take a shower so
0: (laughs) it is a valid question it is so valid and so relevant and let me tell you not to be like meta or anything about it but the next right thing is not just a book and a podcast for me it is an expression of prayer and of it's really a mantra it's what's actually gotten me through the work of writing the book the next right thing because I've had to live it Mm -hmm. and and really in a like you said in my life has changed a lot since I wrote that first book. Yeah, not only in my schedule and responsibilities, but just in the all the things that take up the headspace that used to be filled yep. with more creative thinking. But I think that the, the most helpful advice I could give or words I could give of wisdom would be trusting the process of other writers who have gone before who say that the creative process works if we trust it and follow through with it. Because there are going to be, it's like all those things we read about, like you start out and, you know, those memes that you see, like you start out and it's like, you're on a high and it's great. And then, you know, you go down to the depths and it's the worst thing ever. Um, But if you stop there, then you, then you believe that it's the worst thing ever, but doing the next right thing. And that day it might be, I set a timer for 10 minutes and I write what I can in these 10 minutes and trusting Mm -hmm. that that's going to be enough and that there is not a, a pond you know creativity and writing and work is not a pond of water that once we use it all up it's gone it's more like a river and it will continue to flow and trusting that is a real practice of faith in belief in ourselves in belief in our support system hopefully we have one but also i think the You know, we talk about starting being a really hard thing, and obviously the middle is really long and can be drudgery, but there is something, a lot to be said for finishing, and I think sometimes we don't finish our writing or we don't say this is done or it's not ready because it feels like... It feels like it's not ready, and what I've learned from a lot of other writers and in my own process is what Lauren Michaels talks about on Saturday Night Live is that the show doesn't go on because it's ready. The show goes on because it's eleven thirty on a Saturday night. You just <laughs> you just do it, yeah. and it's time. It's not ready, but it is time, and so developing mm. that intuition within you, like you know what. Yeah. Could this be better? Mm-hmm, it sure could. But now it's time and I have to release this and let it go. And that is like not something that you're born with. I mean, that's something that comes with practice of recognizing yeah. like, OK, this isn't actually it's not time for this yet. This needs more work. But but there is a point where it is. It's just time.
1: OK, I want to talk for a minute about your work with Hope Writers that you say about Hope Writers, the gap between writing and publishing can make you feel crazy. I love this. (laughs) Hope Writers helps smart, creative writers get your words out of your head and into the hands of a reader without feeling lost, discouraged, or overwhelmed. And I am a huge fan of this because, well, I mean, from a personal perspective, because I was a writer and still am sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) lost, discouraged, and overwhelmed about the writing and publishing process. And It's why I do the work that I do. And I know that there, I know because of the work that I do, that there are hundreds of thousands of really talented, gifted, smart writers out there who need to share their words with the world and they're struggling. Tell me a little bit about what made you want to start Hope Writers and how you got into this.
0: Well, we've been around for about a little over 4 years now and started with my my dad and my sister actually and then our friend Brian who's kind of like the the marketing brains behind getting the word out. And so in the past 2 years we've really honed in on who this is for and what we're about and really, you know, we realized that writers don't quit because they're not good. Writers quit because or they they give up on their writing dream or whatever it is they want to do. A lot of times it's not because they're not good, but it's because they're doing a lot of the right things, but they're doing them in the wrong order. And so, like I said before, that idea of... They, you know, maybe you think people have told you you're a great writer, so you immediately think, well, that means I need to write a book. And we don't realize that there's actually a lot of steps that come before writing a book for publication. Maybe you do need to write mm-hmm. your book for yourself or your family, but if you want to enter into the business of book writing, there are some things that need to be in place if you enter into the business contract with a publisher. And I think there, mm-hmm. it's it is unfair and unwise for anyone who teaches writers or works with writers to not make that distinction. Because I do think there's a lot of really beautiful, soulful, craft oriented towards your reader work that has to happen before you're ready to pursue traditional publication, or even self-publication in many ways. Mm. And so we really try to, you know, we help writers find and follow their own path to sharing their words with a reader. And by the way, it doesn't always look like a book. And I think that's another misconception Mm. is a lot of writers have like, book shaped eyes, and they're like hard eyes for the Uh, book. And we think that's going to legitimize our writing. And it's just not the case. I think it, when we get to a place where we don't have to write a book, that's usually the best time to finally write the book because it's really, then you're really ready to, to serve your reader in a way that's life-giving and not in a way that's kind of like, you know, janky and twisty and weird, you know, you're doing it for some kind of like self thing that's kind of colored in all kinds of weird motivations.
1: Sometimes I find that's a great way to put it that people have this like they've like book-shaped eyes they all they want to do is write yeah. a book and I I'm agreeing with you that I do think there are all these steps in the process before you're before you decide that you're going to package this thing and I can't remember how you said it but something like it's a, you're entering into a business contract with the publisher, or even if you're self-publishing, you're entering into a business relationship where now you're creating a product yes, to sell yes. in exchange for money. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just an art form anymore. It's now, you've now become a business owner. Yes. But it's an interesting line to walk. And it's also something to keep in mind if you're a person who likes the process of writing and wants to create a book, that it's not just... Yes, for sure, you're creating a piece of art to share with your reader, but you're also creating a product that's going to need to be sold on in the marketplace.
0: Yes, and what a gift, what a better gift to your reader for you to do that well and smartly and to be, mm-hmm. you know, to have a business mind about it. Not that you have to change your personality, but I think just like any other job, we have to learn uh, how how we have to learn how the business works. And so if yeah. we become writers who are kind of like shaking our fists at the machine and, you know, we're like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, publishers expect us to share our work with our reader and market it ourselves. It's like, uh, that's like your job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, what this yeah. whole thing's about. And, you know, maybe Ernest Hemingway didn't have to do that, but guess who we're not? <laughs> and what a gift that we live in a time when we can write things on the internet and get creative with the ways yes. that we share things with our reader and serve our reader in all these different ways. It doesn't just have to look like a book. But if it is a book, we have all these options of how to get the word out about it. And I, and I yep. choose to see that as a gift. It doesn't always feel that way, but, yep. but we can choose to see it that way.
1: Okay, one more question about hope writers, and then we'll wrap up. But I'm curious where you see most people getting stuck in the writing process. And then what tools or skills do you give them to help them get unstuck?
0: Well, I think one piece is what we've talked about is they get stuck when they confuse writing and publishing. And so they're molding Mm. them together and they're trying to work their way out of a publishing question with the craft answer or the other way around. And so separating those out, saying like, okay, are you asked Because people email me a lot and they'll say, I want to talk to you about writing. And then I'll say, I'll ask the question, do you want to talk to me about writing? Or do you want to talk to me about publishing? One is craft, mm. the other is business. And so I think that's one place where people get stuck. And once you make that distinction, then we can move forward in a conversation where the words we're using actually mean the same thing. And then another place where writers get stuck, and I'm sure you see this all the time, is just in asking themselves, who do I think I am? Who do I think I am to do this, to write yeah. this? And there's just, that, just that pervasive fear lack of courage, feeling like, you know, what you talk about is, you know, this whole doubting their own voice that they have something to offer. That's a place where writers get stuck. And I think what we offer at Hope Writers really is, first of all, reminding writers that there is a path. There is a path in the writing life, especially if you want to be a career writer. And the good news is you're already on the path. There's no such thing as a stage mm-hmm. zero writer. We talk about writing in six stages. And the first stage is we call the writer is that you're a writer and the, and the writers write. And so develop what does it look like to develop a habit of writing and to remember, you know, that you can do this just by choosing to do it in whatever way you're able to do it at this time, and it can be accessible. And just one last thing to say on that is I think sometimes writers get stuck when they don't make the turn from writing for themselves to writing for a reader. It's Like I said, it's great to write for yourself, but I would probably say if you only are writing for yourself, maybe you wouldn't want to join Hope Writers because- Hope Writers, we really are making that pivot from writing in secret to writing for a reader. And so we presuppose that someone who wants to join a membership community for writers actually hopes that people will read their words. And that's what we hope to help them do.
1: Where can people find Hope Writers if they're interested in Absolutely, we open
0: um, three times a year. And if you go to hopewriters.com, you can learn about when when we'll open or at least you can get your name on a wait list so that you'll get an email when we open the doors again.
1: Okay. Two questions to wrap up before I let you go for the day, Emily. The first one is, and I'm springing this on you. I didn't tell you I was going to ask this question, but we talk a lot on this podcast about the power of words to create positive change in our personal lives and in our communities and in the world. And I'm curious if there's someone else's words that have been a powerful agent of change for you, a book that comes to mind or or some a writer for you that has you know been a been an agent of hope and change for you.
0: Oh, man, so many come to mind. But I think probably one that I recommend so much that's embarrassing is Parker J. Palmer's book, Let Your Life Speak. Mm. And it's such an accessible book because it's really tiny. (laughs) Um, But it's packed with so much wisdom, especially as it relates to calling and vocation.
1: Love that. Such a good book. Okay. And final question. If you had to put your legacy into words... What would you in just in a few sentences, what would you say that was
0: oh that's that's not a hard question at all, gosh, just asking <laughs> really you know if it really comes down to it, and I had to say it in one sentence, I think there's a lot of things, but I think it would be she wasn't in a hurry,
1: wow, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Emily, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your words with us. I'll make sure to link in the show notes to all the ways that we can find you. But is there one particular way that you would want people to connect with you?
0: You know, I think just my website, emilypfreeman.com. You can pretty much find everything
1: there. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much. We're really, really grateful. Thank you, Allie. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.